0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Today, we're going to talk about fate, because fate is a tricky thing, isn't it? They say that it can't be escaped, that when the writings on the wall or the warnings have been read, that that's it for you. And when you think about it, we can only be so cautious when facing the dangers in our path because unfortunately, even the best security sometimes just isn't enough. First, owing a debt means more than just owing money. Next, technology opens unsuspecting doorways right into your home. After that, we'll do our chores alone in the dark. And finally, we'll end up in a place of healing. A children's hospital. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then... I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Collector. There's a night once a year when the streets go dark, but darkness cannot hide those who are marked. And these lonely late hours, debts that are unpaid, weigh heavy the guilt of what is owed refusing to fade. Beware the Collector, he's come for your debt. His pieced together face is the most terrifying you've met. Jada had been attending college for only a few months when she first heard about the Collector. It was described as an ancient but starved creature that haunted the campus once a year on the night of its birth. Restricted to that one night, the Collector spent it savagely recouping what it was owed before the dawn broke. It preyed upon those that owed the biggest debts, the indebted students and faculty members. But the collector wasn't on Jada's mind. She was proud of the fact that she didn't owe anyone money, foolishly forgetting that there is more to unpaid debts than money alone. For instance, Jada didn't like to tell people no. She tended to agree to everything to make others happy. Extra assignments? Yes, volunteer work? Certainly. Pleasing people made her feel good, but she was a serial overcommitter, and it all came to a head. She began missing commitments, forgetting promises. The broken obligations piled high. Jada had just texted that she'd have to cancel yet another session of a study group she'd set up when her friend Claire came barging into her dorm room. You were supposed to help me set up for Jess's party three hours ago. Jada tried to apologize, but Claire had heard it all before. Then a flicker. Above them, the light wavered, then strobed, then, At the door was a knock. Jada reached for the handle. Don't, whispered Claire. Don't you know what tonight is? The collector stalks. He's come to collect our debts. Don't be ridiculous. Jada laughed at Claire and swung the door wide. On the other side stood a figure, bare, pale, tall, and missing things from its body. It was the collector. It had no toes, only one eye, Its face was bare from the eye down, no nose or mouth. A single lopsided ear and a smattering of fingers that fell short of 10. In one hand, it clutched a sewing needle, bloody thread hanging long. The few features it did have, that one eye, the crooked ear, the few fingers were all sewn on. None of the mismatched features were its. Claire grabbed Jada's hand, pulling her through the second door leading down into another hall. Spotting the dormitory bathrooms, they ducked inside a stall, peering from under the door. I thought it only collected money. Oh my God, I've let so many people down. Quiet, Claire breathed shallowly. It's coming. The collector stopped inches from the stall, its one loose eye blinking. The door creaked as it banged against it, searching for them, its long hand reached over the stall door. Claire motioned for Jada, above them was an air duct. They popped it open and they climbed up through their old dorm building. They kept moving for hour after hour. Claire led Jada above the halls, avoiding the collector that was hunting them, always trailing, but so close, trailing from below. She told her, had to hide till dawn. How do you know so much about the Collector? Jada asked. Claire tucked back her hair. She was missing an ear. I didn't listen to those who needed to be heard the most. It took my ear as payment. Something suddenly reached up from a vent slat. The Collector. He'd found his way inside, pulling itself up, its fingers clawed at Jada's chin, her lips. He wanted her mouth. The collector's jagged fingernails tore at the seam of Jada's mouth, digging underneath. Jada could feel, hear the wet rip of her own flesh. Pain bloomed hot and instant, and her vision faltered suddenly. Everything went black. When Jada awoke, she wasn't in the dorm. She was lying in a hospital bed, long bandages wrapped around the lower half of her face her mouth. Had the collector collected it? Fingers shaking, Jada unraveled the bandage layer after layer until the sun rose before he could completely rip your mouth off. Claire, now standing in the doorway with flowers, explained. The doctor reattached it. She was right, Jada realized. She ran her fingers across her lips. Along the edges, she could feel the thick stitches holding her lips in place. The Collector was gone for now. She was safe for another year at least. After she healed, Jada was more careful of what she said. No more hollow promises. She'd be sure to fulfill her debts before the Collector stalked again.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: The newer the innovation, the safer it must be. Real-life horror breaks through firewalls, like in this tale, inspired by true life stories. It was past midnight. Marisa was spending another late night editing her novel, Switching her internet tabs over to the wireless baby monitor live feed, she saw her son, Liev, sleeping soundly in the bed next to Nellie, her eight-month-old. She silently said thanks to this new technology that could stream to her computer in high definition. She loved her children, but they were light sleepers, so the less noise made checking on them during bedtime, the better. She responded to a text from her husband, Tobias, letting him know that they were all about to go to sleep. Marisa couldn't wait for him to come home from his work conference in just a few days. Good night. I'm going to bed now. She heard Liev wake up and say into the monitor. Her husband must have logged into the feed, too, to make sure that they were all in bed. There was a microphone and network option where you could talk to the kids. She had hers muted, of course. Putting her laptop away, she settled in to sleep. The next day, after giving the kids lunch, Marisa watched them from the feed on her couch while she wrote. Liev was chattier than usual as he played by the baby swing, presenting his little sister. And here's Nelly bouncing after a big lunch. He laughed, <laughs> running around the room with the monitor pointing at his sister. Liev was so imaginative. At first, she thought nothing of it. It seemed like some fun game of his, like he was hosting his own YouTube show. Broadcasting audience was her and his dad. He'd share what he had for lunch, what mommy was doing, and what toys he planned on playing with. Muting him for a bit, Marisa continued to work on her manuscript. She was on a deadline, and her kids never left the side of the monitor anyway. Days passed, and the night before Tobias got home, however— Marisa asked Liev about his show that he was doing for them every day. He told her that it wasn't for her and Daddy, that he was showing his new friend around the house. That gave her pause as she tucked her kids in that night. Trying to get back to work, she couldn't let what Liev said go. It ate away at her. Unmuting the bedroom feed, she saw a close-up of Nellie asleep in her crib and heard Liev say,
0: See you, Santa. We've
1: been good every night. Quietly, Marisa took her laptop upstairs and tiptoed just outside the kid's room. She heard Liev continue to talk and then a low murmur seemed to answer him. Was it Tobias? She texted him, asking, You didn't tell me you were pretending to be Santa on the baby monitor. A ping as his response read, I'm not... I see them, but as far as I know, you're the only one speaking to them. Alarmed, she opened the door to her children's room. Liev, honey, come here. She heard Liev say, The door is open, Santa. Then chilled as a deep voice responded,
0: I'll see you soon.
1: Scooping him up, she went downstairs. Cradling him to her, she asked, Hey, who are you talking to so late at night? I'm not supposed to tell. I don't want to be on the naughty list. Marisa's phone began to vibrate. As she answered the phone, she watched, shaken, as a large shadow fell across the angled glass next to the front door. It was Tobias on the phone. Interrupting him, she quickly whispered, Someone else was talking to Liev with the monitor. Maybe it was hacked? Marisa watched in horror as the doorknob to the front door slowly turned, and their front door started to swing open. Liev tugged on her pajama pants to get her attention. Don't worry, Mommy. It's just Santa. He wanted to bring us early presents, so I unlocked the door for him. Grabbing Liev and running back up the stairs, she yelled to her husband. Over the phone, Tobias heard his wife scream. Then a door slamming, thumps, and more yelling before the line went dead. In other news, there was a home invasion and robbery last night. A mother of two tried to fight off home invaders and ended up being thrown down the stairs by one of the intruders. The culprits had gained access to the home due to a popular home baby monitoring system. Known for giving parents remote access to a live feed of their children, it was accessed by the alleged intruders due to the default password on the device never having been changed. This is just the latest in a string of incidents where strangers are using these monitors to watch and speak to unsuspecting children. Authorities recommend changing the password on viewing and listening devices and to be mindful of the tech you bring into your home. That last story is based on true accounts. If you look on Amazon and other review sites about popular baby monitoring devices, you will run across this actually being an issue of people using the default password on these devices and spying into other people's homes. So a question to ask yourself, have you changed any of the passwords on the devices that you've brought into your home? If you've heard similar stories or have had a similar story of this occurrence yourself, send us these experiences, if you dare. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and, 6-1 since that matters, and, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity,
0: join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers
1: It always seems like a good idea to push your chores off into the last minute but beware of doing outside work after dark, like in this story inspired by Kerrigan. When I was a young boy, my parents would leave for nights to sell our crops at local farmers' markets, leaving me in the care of my older brother Lewis. I hated splitting the chores with him. He'd always give me the outside chores like picking up animal manure for compost and on the hottest, most humid day, he said I had to stuff the scarecrows in the cornfield. That was usually his job. Get it done before sundown. You never want to be in those fields after dark, Lewis warned ominously, then took his fishing pole out to go catch us dinner. Whatever, I thought. Taking the manure bucket, I followed outside. We lived near the Mississippi, and most of the days of the year were so sticky and hot. It was too miserable to work, so I went back inside to keep cool. Time flew by, and it was almost dusk when Lewis came back. I jumped up, put my shoes on to take the kitchen back door out to the field. My brother shook his head as he came in. I see the scarecrows aren't done. Dangerous to them. So close tonight, best keep your head down, mind your work. And if you hear something, don't look back or you just might see the clickety-clack. He dumped his catfish catch into the sink. I stared at him. He stared back at me. Apologizing, I went on my way. But even in the evening setting sun, it was excruciating to deal with the heat. I handled brittle dry hay, Scarecrow after Scarecrow. Lewis was right. I shouldn't have waited. It's Mississippi, it's hot no matter the time of day. I was on my second to last Scarecrow. The day was dark now, it was night. That's when I heard it at a distance, clickety-clack. I looked ahead at the kitchen window and saw my brother staring out into the dark. He wouldn't be able to see me. He was wiping his hands on a towel. He looked worried. Clickety-clack. Again, the noise sounded like it was behind me as I made my way to the last scarecrow. I looked ahead again. Lewis looked back out of the front window. It looked like he was frying the fish with oven mitts. In any case, that noise couldn't be him. I untied the last scarecrow's shirt, hastily, keeping my head down. I pulled from my hay bale, bunches to stuff into this last belly. The dark felt like it crowded around me. I had already lost the light, and I heard it, again, in front of me, clickety-clack. To the left, clickety-clack, behind me, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. The noise got quicker and closer. I stood there in the dark, and to my left, I saw... A straw hand clapped my shoulder tightly, screaming. I ran for the back door. Clickety clack, clickety clack. I made it. I never looked back. Thank you, Kerrigan, for the inspiration for this story. And also thank you to our patron, Lewis, uh, who has donated to our Patreon and we used his name for a character within this story. Let us know if there's anything scary or perhaps a creepy occurrence that has happened to you while you tried to get your chores done. Beware old toys at children's hospitals. You never know what they're infected with. Like in this story inspired by Alexa H. Many years ago, when I was a kid, It was very sick. I had to stay in a children's hospital. I still have nightmares of it. Nightmares that started there of a mangled doll with one eye and blackened clothes. I would be hooked to a chair, and it would sit across from me with a grotesque, rotting face, not moving, but singing. Singing the alphabet, though its mouth didn't move. The first night, after it ran through the alphabet, it came back around and stopped at H. Children's screams echoed in the dark room and blood was splattered along the walls and floor. It was always that same dream and I always woke up sweaty and cold. The next morning, the children whispered about Horace. He had been so sick and just like that, he was gone. In my child's mind, I knew the doll had actually taken him. I told my friend Ivan about the dreams and he said that, He'd been having nightmares, too. That night was plagued with similar dreams. This time, the doll was off the chair and walking closer to me, singing A-B-C-D-E-F-G-H-I-I-I. The doll stopped at the letter I over and over again. I woke up in a clammy sweat. The nurse told me the nightmares were side effects of my treatment. The next day, Ivan wasn't at playtime and his bed was empty. A new girl told me he'd been rushed to the ICU that morning. He'd had an epileptic fit after screaming about some doll. She clutched her necklace. It read Justine in gold. That's when it dawned on me. What if it's following by name order? "'What if it's a killer alphabet doll?' I asked, as she clasped her hands over her face. "'I didn't want to be next, so I told Justine, "'We have to be friends.' "'She cried and called the nurse begging for her parents. "'She didn't want to be in the hospital. "'She wanted to go home. "'I got in trouble for spreading rumors of the alphabet doll. "'The next day, another kid was gone, but it wasn't Justine. "'It was Joe, another sick patient. "'He had been my friend.' When Justine and I went to investigate his room, we found the doll beneath his bed and screamed. When the head nurse came in, she had had enough. She took the doll and told me enough of my grim pranks. She asked where I had found the doll, and I told her the truth. The alphabet doll hunted us, and it was under Joe's bed. But she didn't believe me. I was in trouble and extra supervised. That night, I dreamt of the doll again. It was angry and told me I was next for telling its secret. She said the alphabet till the letter K over and over. I woke up and it was in my room. It's shadow everywhere and it skittered on the floor, crawled into my bed beneath the blanket.
0: I'm going to get you, Kayla.
1: I pulled my sheets off to fight and in the struggle, I set off the nurse alarm and the morning shift nurse stormed in. Enough. Go to the rec room for breakfast. You've made such a mess. While I sat looking at my oatmeal, another girl approached me. The other kids refused. They had been since Ivan and Justine labeled me as a cuckoo. This new girl said her name was Cammie. She was following her aunt to work today. Cammie was the nurse's niece. I told her that her mom didn't like me much and told her about the alphabet doll. Cammy was really kind and listened to me. I'll be your friend. The nurse came in and let me know to grab my things. My parents had come for me. I was being discharged. When I went to the room, Cammy tagged along and helped me pack. Don't forget your doll, she said, and she held the alphabet doll in her hands. I closed my bags and ran out of the room. When I got to the discharge desk, I saw the nurse go down the hallway calling for Cammie, but there was no response. Before she came over to us, I urged my parents to leave and we were out of there. As we drove away, I saw the doll looking down at me from a window. Nervous that the doll was still going to follow, I told my parents I couldn't wait to go back to school. I had so many new friends I needed to make. Listener, thank you for hearing my story. I must confess that my name isn't Kayla. I just needed to get this off my chest. I'm one of you, listeners. I'm the most popular person you could ever know. In fact, we're already friends, and your name is before mine. I told you this so that you could help make our friendship circle bigger. Tell someone this story. Tell them about the alphabet doll. Someone alphabetically before you. The more people, the better. Protect yourself because it protects me. the doll won't find you or me but she's coming she's coming for us all this week's podcast stories were edited by linnea bond markee mccarty and sabina graves audio edited by fitz harris graphics by johnny ashley produced by annalise nelson music by sapphire sandalo